Good morning. This is Tommy Ray, and we are in episode 56 of Water Rights, Laws, Guns, and Money. Today is November 2nd, 2022. We are continuing the discussion on shortages on the Colorado River and who it affects and when. Let's focus on New Mexico. There are two rivers in New Mexico that contribute water to the Colorado River drainage, the San Juan River and the Gila. The San Juan originates in southwest Colorado, drops down into northwestern New Mexico, flows through Farmington and Shiprock, and then curves back up and barely enters Colorado at the Four Corners area. From there, it flows across southern Utah until it joins the Colorado near Lake Powell in southern Utah. The Gila starts in southwest New Mexico, crosses southern Arizona, and supposedly hits the Colorado at Yuma. But sometimes it is dry when it gets to Yuma. Not because of so much irrigation in New Mexico, but because of the irrigation west of Phoenix. The La Plata River is a tributary to the San Juan, and the confluence of the two rivers is on the west side of Farmington. The San Juan appears to be the only river in New Mexico that is diverted onto significant farm properties that would consume much water before hitting the Colorado. As part of the 1922 compact, New Mexico can use 0.84 million acre-feet per year of the Colorado River. This compares to Wyoming's 1.04 million acre-feet, Utah's 1.71, and the state of Colorado's 3.86 million acre-feet per year. I have been reading up on all the river basin states. It seems to me that New Mexico is in a world of hurt regarding their total water picture. I want to paint a picture of New Mexico's water situation as a whole and then talk about what impacts a cutback in their share of the Colorado River might have on their state. It seems pretty dang drastic to me. New Mexico relies on both groundwater and surface water sources, but about 87% of New Mexico's public water supply comes from groundwater. No other southwestern states gets such a large percentage of its domestic water from groundwater sources. Such a heavy dependence upon groundwater has its downsides. But has New Mexico been keeping tabs on its groundwater and how long it can last before cities start running out? It seems no one knows. Searchlight New Mexico is a nonpartisan, nonprofit news organization dedicated to investigative reporting in New Mexico. They have studied New Mexico water, and their report was summarized in the El Paso Times on January 14, 2022. Here is some of what they reported. On June 5, 2013, the only well serving Magdalena went dry. Magdalena is a small town of 870 residents, 30 miles west of Socorro, population 8,500, the big town in these parts. When the mayor, 
who also acts as the water manager, checked. He found that the water had dropped 15 feet since his previous measurement. It was sitting below the reach of the pump. He measured the well by dropping a steel tape measure down the hole. Some residents went without running water for almost a week. The mayor is now fortifying this village against future scarcity, monitoring wells, building new water tanks, and conserving water. He has secured grant money to help with infrastructure and is committed to protecting the village's water future. But Magdalena's innovative approach to water conservation is an anomaly in New Mexico. The state's rural areas often lack the resources for robust water data systems. Instead of advanced well monitoring systems, still tape measure soundings track water levels. Some small towns keep records of water levels by handwriting them on the walls of well houses, which are periodically painted over obliterating important data and making them more vulnerable to well failure. Often it takes a crisis like Magdalena's to recognize the problem and act on it. And even as news of the drying Southwest has become common knowledge, the New Mexico state government has done almost nothing to prepare for this future, failing to even collect enough basic data to determine how much water exists in the system. By the time New Mexicans realize the stakes, it might be too late. It's inevitable that other communities across the state will face similar water challenges sometime in the coming years or decades. Once thriving rural communities could become ghost towns and cities could struggle to expand unless they have the information needed to plan ahead. Magdalena's well crisis was a wake-up call for Stacy Timmons, Associate Director of Hydrogeology Programs at the New Mexico Bureau of Geology. Timmons is based at New Mexico Institute of Mining and Technology in Socorro, the, quote, big city closest to Magdalena, And when the town started having water trouble, it called her in to help. With her small team, Timmons started trying to put together information about the history of the well and the aquifer it draws from. The reports they needed weren't available anywhere, and they spent months piecing together the data required to solve the town's problems. It was a bit of an eye-opener as to how much time it took, and in a moment of crisis like that, when they were out of water, time wasn't something that we had a whole lot of, says Timmons. She soon realized that the problem wasn't isolated to Magdalena. All over the state, there were huge gaps in water data. There was no centralized database with records or measurements. Everything had to be pieced together document by document. The problems extend beyond small-town water governance. The state as a whole does little to track how much water flows in and out of its rivers and aquifers. 
There isn't a state agency that tracks how many wells go dry each year or a single office that can provide a firm answer on how much water is used throughout the state. It all adds up to a big black hole in water information, which means that no one in the state of New Mexico knows how much water the state has or how much time remains before it disappears. Closing these data gaps won't be easy. Many water measurements require manual labor that can only be done on-site with rudimentary tools. More advanced types of data collection are often prohibitively expensive and required specialized staff. Since her epiphany in Magdalena, Timmons has been busy finding ways to embark on this long, arduous process. She's already helped launch several groundwater mapping and monitoring projects. She is also in charge of implementing the Water Data Act, a law passed in 2019 that requires state water agencies to standardize information and make it accessible to the public. Data is what fundamentally underlies and supports decision-making, says Timmons. In times when a community runs out of water, we can't spend a month and a half trying to find data about it. Even with this data, climate change means that over the next few decades, New Mexican society will need to make tough choices about who gets water and who goes without. By ignoring knowledge gaps now, there might be no future choices. Instead, climate and geology will decide who wins and who loses the water lottery. But New Mexico has been hesitant to fund these projects. The Water Data Act appropriated only $110,000 in funds from state coffers hardly enough to organize the state's water resources. And while it might be bad now, it's about to get much worse. Across the Southwest, the effects of climate change are already apparent in rising temperatures, thinning snowpacks, and sparse and variable precipitation patterns. These symptoms might be mistaken for the periods of historic drought familiar to old-timers. But unlike past drought cycles, today's water scarcity will not be alleviated by periods of relative abundant moisture. As rain and snow dwindle, water supplies are acutely affected. Thin snowpacks mean less runoff into rivers and streams, which means less aquifer recharge, which means less groundwater. When surface water is scarce, people start pumping more groundwater. This, in turn, means even less surface water, as drains on aquifers can sap water from rivers and streams. And experts say these conditions will only get worse. The only uncertainty is how much worse and how fast it will happen. The forecast is not encouraging. The worst case would be no water in some areas of the state. 
For many New Mexicans, the idea of a home without water is just not thinkable. They are sticking their heads in the sand. They think it will never happen. Water use continues much as it has since the state's water use laws were codified more than a 100 years ago, allowing practices like flood irrigation for crops like alfalfa and pecans. For much of New Mexico, the worst-case water scenario is already here. In the Clovis Portales area near the Texas border, Aquifer levels have dropped more than 150 feet in some places, threatening drinking water supplies. In Las Vegas, locals can no longer swim and play in the natural pools that their parents and grandparents once enjoyed along the Rio Galinas. Last year, the state paid farmers along the Rio Grande to fallow more than 1,200 acres of fields to save water. The influx of state funds enable payments of $425 per acre, up from $275 last year. That price bump has enticed those with larger farms who are deciding to consolidate their most productive fields and fallow other acreage while still making money. So for many farmers, $425 per acre is enough to get them not to farm. It makes the request by farmers in the Imperial Valley for $1,500 an acre to fallow fields sound excessive. So how do flows in the Colorado River fit into this overall water-poor state? Colorado River tributaries are in relatively small portions of northwest and southwest New Mexico. But the Colorado River Basin's water is essential for the state's largest city, Albuquerque. Of New Mexico's 2.1 million people, about half, 915,000, live in the Albuquerque area. Albuquerque's water comes from two main sources, groundwater and river water. Groundwater makes up about 50% of the community's supply and is collected from about 90 wells across Albuquerque. These wells are typically 5 to 800 feet deep. The Rio Grande River flows through Albuquerque and the city takes water out of the Rio Grande but it is not Rio Grande water. Does that make sense? Of course it doesn't. I'll have to explain. Albuquerque's surface water comes from the San Juan Chama project. The project takes water out of some tributaries to the Colorado River up by Pagosa Springs, runs that water through a series of tunnels that go underneath the Continental Divide, and then it flows down the Chama River. The Chama River enters the Rio Grande north of Santa Fe, and that water is taken out when it reaches Albuquerque, about 70 miles downstream. In principle, they are only taking water molecules that are from the Colorado River watershed. They're diverting water from three small tributaries to the San Juan River, 
which subsequently flows into the Colorado River. Then it's diverted to the Chama River, and that's the source of surface water for Albuquerque. And that's why any cutbacks to New Mexico on Colorado River water are going to hurt. Seems to me, with the lack of understanding of groundwater and potential cutbacks to its surface water, Albuquerque is in danger of running low. In the Albuquerque Journal on September 14, 2022, also tackled the problem. It's almost unfair. Colorado River and reservoir management were designed by the Bureau of Reclamation during a much wetter period, and now state water officials are grappling with how to make do with less. State engineer Mike Hammond, New Mexico's top water manager, said the state really feels the shortages because it doesn't have the big reservoirs of other states in the Colorado River Basin. David Morris, the water utility spokesman for the Albuquerque Bernalillo County Water Utility Authority, said the Colorado River water has allowed the region to wean itself off of unsustainable groundwater pumping. Since 2008, the year the San Juan Chama project came online, aquifer levels underneath the city have rebounded by as much as 40 feet. That's exactly what we were hoping that our use of surface water would allow the aquifer to do, Morris said. We're in a very fortunate situation here in Albuquerque to have two different and distinct supplies of water. But Colorado River cutbacks have led to several consecutive years when the utility and other New Mexico entities have received far less water than expected from the interbasin project. New Mexico still uses only about half of its allotment under the compact each year. That could change as more Indian tribes reach water rights settlements and build out infrastructure to use those rights. Agencies are making progress on large projects to deliver water to Navajo communities in western New Mexico. New Mexico is expecting more pressure on its Colorado River water as more tribes reach water rights settlements and build out infrastructure. The U.S. Interior Department has said it will engage with tribes in the basin as parties hammer out some management details of the compact that are set to expire after 2026. A resilient future on the Colorado must have tribal sovereignty at the forefront, said Daryl Vigil, Hikaria Apache Nation Water Administrator and a staunch advocate for tribal inclusion in water management issues. The term consultation gets thrown around in the basin a whole lot, Vigil said, but if you know one tribe, you only know one tribe. Having a seat at the table means working with every tribe to learn their specific water rights and needs. More people at the table to divvy up less water. 
All the Colorado River Basin states are going to be between a rock and a hard place. As 2026 approaches, we will probably see more reporting on each state's needs and arguments as to why they deserve more. So this is it for New Mexico now. If you want to provide feedback, you can reach me at Tommy at nowater.com, K-N-O-W hyphen water.com. You can also buy me a cup of coffee at the companion website, nowater.com. I like both feedback and coffee. We'll have to see if this podcast is still going on when a final resolution to the Colorado River Compact is reached in 2026. In the meantime, let's enjoy my mountain stream while it still has water in it. See you next time.